0: Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts Lucy Davis
1: and Benjamin Holden. So today we have a very special guest of us so I'm going to give him a quick introduction before he um, does his personal intro. So we have got the amazing Jamie Elton on today. So Jamie in less than four years went from a redundant contract worker to one of the top body transformation coaches in the uk having transformed thousands of lives in the process jamie has an in-depth knowledge from what he has learned from his time in business fitness and life competing at british and european and world level physique shows jamie has also created multiple successful businesses and balance balances the entire act with his family life as a loving husband and father so i hope i, I covered um most of the avenues there, there, Jamie. But whatever I've missed out, you can uh, kindly fill us in with.
2: I was I was wondering who you're talking about then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having the song, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've been we've caught up a couple of times yeah. over the last year, and it's it's been great. And yeah, whenever I think back to that, you know, it's been a it's been a crazy journey over the last I'd say eight years since I've kind of gone off on my own and. You know had had my own kind of thought process about things it's been a crazy journey
1: yeah, so one of the things that we want to touch on today and um well first we, we'll kind of dive into how how I met Jamie, which is many many years ago um <laughs> for, from today and it was I first signed up with Jamie as um a client actually for a body transformation myself and this is because I wanted to do my first competition which was at body power I think when I was twenty one so what's that now seven years ago Wow. Time flies, um, and I went to a sixteen-week prep with Jamie just to pretty much get into shape. And this, for me, slowly developed into something else because I started following along with Jamie in regards to socials, podcasts, and learning a lot, um, in regards to both business and lifestyle, as opposed to just, I suppose, the fitness element and the health and fitness side. I learned from the program that Jamie had set up for me. And this is kind of leads into the topic that I want to talk about today, which is in regard to the bigger picture of creating a career from a hobby and how to be happy at work. So, after completing my transformation with Jamie, which is um probably where I lost a lot of weight in my life and it's probably the biggest Period where I've, of weight loss, i lost like three stone, I think, over a certain period of time. Um, I started to learn a lot from Jamie's podcast, which was the first podcast that I, I started getting involved with.
0: It was mine as well. It was yeah. like the first podcast I ever listened to,
1: and I'd recommend anyone to go and listen to it because this is for me where I think it, I'll try and include the, the quote in today's video. I'll try and go back and record it, but it was the the whole I think it was "bear in the boat and learn to swim" quote. That was in one of the episodes of the podcast that really sparked the change for me in regards to creating a career out of a hobby. And just before we dive into this in regards to changing your career, I want to just quickly spit off a couple of um, stats before we do. And I pulled these up from the Independent yesterday in regards to people who go go in to create their own businesses or create their own work. And I think it's just important to note because... It's one of those things that I think a lot of people desire and would love to do, but a lot of people fail at, and it's something that we'll cover in today's podcast. And it, it, it was quoted that the average Briton will spend 3,507 days at work, including 204 days of overtime in the lifetime. And the poll also found that British people think about quitting their jobs 16 times per year. It was also found that the average British worker will put in 34 hours and 26 hours minutes of work a week, totaling 1,791 hours a year and 84,171 hours in the course of their their career. Um, And that will also include some additional overtime. So if you think about how much time we spend at work, if you hate your job and hate your work, it's going to have a pretty big impact on your life and your mental health. So one of the things I wanted to focus on and talk to Jamie about today is both how to create happiness at work and how to switch career paths, even if you think it's too late because I know Jamie spoke about this before um, because this is how I switch career paths and has even released a book called Meltdown, which will be very insightful on this topic of creating happiness at work for today. And what we're often told is that we should, shouldn't should make our hobby our work because it will grow into resentment mm-hmm. from there. So we want to try and squash this today. So Jamie, if you can kind of take the floor with how you first started off and how you then changed your career path, just for some of the listeners who's maybe haven't heard your story before.
2: So my story goes back to 2012. Now I was working as a contract worker at the time uh, in Kenya. I was working as a security advisor for the UN and I was, it's a very well-paid job and I wasn't particularly happy because I was spending a long time away from my family and you know it was just kind of weird because I was really into kind of fitness and I had this security advisor job and I even remember being in big UN meetings and writing carb cycling plans for people. So you kind of know you kind of know that you're in the wrong job when that happens. But I probably would have still been in that job now had I not been made redundant. And I basically got a phone call. Um, they were trying to make some. They were making some cuts, and you know they were getting rid of the unnecessary staffing. And I was one of those people. And I always knew it was kind of a temporary position because I was on a rolling monthly contract. But you never kind of want to believe it. Um, so. One of the mistakes that I made is is thinking that I had this job forever, uh, or at least for at least, you know, a few years. And myself and my wife, we got a very expensive mortgage, put all of our savings into it. And it was actually the next week that I got made redundant. So I remember coming back on this plane, like, you know, what on earth am I going to do? And it kind of hit me then, you know, this is your opportunity now to do something that you really want to do. Um, and I decided to write things down. It's like what am I good at? What do I want to do? And everything pointed towards personal training. And it, it was always something that I never thought about. And and one of the main reasons was I enjoyed it as a hobby uh, and a passion. But I, I'd seen personal trainers in the gym, and they were all miserable, and they were all working stupid hours and not really getting paid too much. So because I was on you know a good salary, I was like I'm going to have to work my bollocks off to be able to do that. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I knew this is what I wanted to do and what I was good at. Um, so I went into it. I didn't have any money, but I did have a credit card. Uh, I whacked 16 grand on the credit card. Couldn't afford a, uh, a car, so I borrowed my dad's bike. Rented a studio up in the countryside about seven miles from where I lived and got to work. You know, I started grafting there. Um, started focusing on a small group of clients I had at the time. It only about three or four. Um, focus on getting them results they got you know incredible results um was doing a lot of online stuff at the time because that's where just as facebook was kicking off and that's where I, I started to build my business and looking back you know at that time during it being made redundant it was the worst feeling in the world having 800 quid in the bank and not knowing what to do but i remember cycling up to the studio on my dad's bike it pissing down with rain and I just had a grin from ear to ear because I was finding contr- you know the only person that could mess this up was me. And I was gonna I was willing to continue to make mistakes because I'd never personal trained somebody before. You know, I quickly got the six week certification. And though I had a passion for training, um, and I'd been training a long time, it was just like, well, you know, I'll give this my best shot. And I did, I put everything into it and and you know, adding that passion to helping people uh is a a massive value add to other people and something that i'll always remember someone said to me is you're rewarding this world based on the value that you put into it Um, and a lot of people that are unhappy with their job is because they're not putting much value into the world they're usually putting that value into somebody else's world and they wonder why they're not getting an impact so actually going off on your own and creating your own thing which is valuable to others will give you that impact will give you that happiness as well, because there's nothing that makes you feel better than making other people feel better. Um, and a lot of people get confused with that because they feel, you know, when they're not feeling good, the normal reaction is to let people know that you're in a bad mood. So they get in a bad mood and they wonder why their bad mood isn't getting any better. And a lot of things that are, you know, kind of intuitive to the brain, you need to kind of do the opposite. because a lot of times we're not motivated to do things. But no one ever is. That's why you need to be disciplined. And motivation is doing things when you feel like doing it. Discipline is doing things despite how you feel. Um, And this is something very much that I've delved into a lot over the years of going, you know, working with thousands of clients, but obviously working with myself and going, how do I get to that level? How do I do this? And it comes from, making lots of failures, making lots of mistakes. And I'm saying that that's perfectly normal. Something that you said at the beginning there with regards to someone messes up and then that halts them. And it's something called learn helplessness. I had this old um, tale about an elephant and a rope. Um, and it's basically a guy's on holiday in Indonesia and he sees this elephant, this massive elephant with a tiny little rope around its leg. And he was kind of confused as to why the elephant doesn't break free. So we spoke to his uh, trainer he said, Oh, when they're younger, what we do is we tie them up and f- for months they try and escape from this rope, but they're not strong enough and eventually they give up. So as they grow, they never, you know, they never break free from the rope. And that's and that's so many people uh with their with their career and with their lives, you know, they weren't very good at school. So they believe that they can't make a success. I failed all of my GCSEs. And the only reason I joined the army at a young age is because I'd probably gone to prison. So that's not an excuse. Um, and so many people just uh, are so much in their own head of why they can't do things that they don't do it because they've kind of convinced themselves. And as soon as you convince yourself that you can't do something, you won't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So, something that I kind of show people a lot is look, I'm nothing special. I've done, you know, I've written multiple books, I've done loads of crazy things. But that's all come, that hasn't come from being better than anybody else. That's just believing in myself and having the confidence to try. And I say I say to people all the time, I'm where I am today because I've made more mistakes than most people. But I've learned from those mistakes and got better. And you're never you're going I'm gonna continue to make lots and lots of mistakes throughout my life. But I know that I need to make them in order to grow.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the massively important things with having a hobby that turns into a business, understanding that there's gonna be so many mistakes and like you have to completely go to through failure. To see what's on the on the other side. And most of the time you feel like you're not going to be able to carry on. Yeah. You don't you don't feel like after a failure with your own business and the risks, risks all on yourself, you think, fucking hell, like I can't do this on my own. And I think that's where you need to have that resilience in yourself.
2: But it's also knowing that when you get into this, especially as a personal trainer, you're not thinking about building a business, you're thinking about getting clients. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about helping people get healthier, happier, fitter, and stronger. Um, and it's a byproduct of it suddenly you get more people suddenly you go oh this money's coming in what do I do with this money and then suddenly you now have to think about finances and you now have to think about staffing you now have to think about all of these things mm-hmm. uh, and so many people who are successful didn't go into it thinking I'm going to build a business they're like they, they go into it thinking I'm going to do something that I love and that's a great thing that's a great attitude to go into it because if you always go into it with that attitude and and most importantly in the knowledge that you're going to need help along the way and you're going to make lots of mistakes because there's so many things you know in order to be a successful personal trainer you don't just need to be good at you know nutrition and training you need to be good at sales marketing videography photography um web design um you know public speaking it's a jack of all trades that you have to be
1: yeah i think um one of the things you touched on there is in regards to wins and losses, is the fact that basically, in order to make more wins, you need to be you need to be making more losses in life. And I can't remember who it was who it said something the other day, but it was one of my friends who was saying, "You will never meet a rich man who hasn't made many losses, but you will always meet a, a poor man who never takes any risks." And I think that kind of resonated with me, and I, and I looked, I found it quite um, in. Informal, and in regards to my business, I don't know if you've read "Rich Dad Poor Dad." That was really when I started learning more about business and what you've been talking about there in regards to the amount of money that you are taking home, and you don't know what to do with the money at first, and then really starting to look at income, outgoings, assets, liabilities, and started to understand that and how that kind of corresponds to your business and the way that you are utilizing the money to in order to grow and be able to help more people as well. So, obviously, my my journey when I started. In health and fitness was uh, probably a lot of people don't know this, and probably you don't even know yourself in regard to how much of an impact you had in regards to me changing my life. Because just through listening to your, to your podcast was what eventually made me make the jump and and I suppose burn the boat and learn how to swim. And I mean that's why it's so important, and we take so much pride in the podcast because it's the content that we put out for people and you, and for people like yourself, you don't realize the impact that it's gonna have on the listener Mm -hmm. and for me I obviously had a a similar career path in regards I was working in the police for like three four five years got to a point where I I pretty much hated my job I was stressed couldn't see myself working that position for another 30 years so needed to do something to change but kind of needed that push in the in the right direction to to make that happen which that kind of eventually forced me to quit and still the reality of it is even when I when I made that change I was going from taking home like two grand a month to doing 300 pound a month to take home for myself. And that didn't even pay my car off. So I think a lot of people see the glitz and glamour on the other side, but first you have to go through that layer of shit to be able to get to that middle part, which is the, the part that people want to enjoy and have that freedom, that financial freedom, enjoy their own time and have more more time for themselves and family.
2: It comes down to a cliche quote, you know, the pain of change is less painful than the pain of staying the same. You know, the pain of doing that for what, six months, a year, even three years it's a lot less painful than doing something you don't want to do for 30. Um, and this is this is one of the biggest reasons that people struggle to change their their body because they have to go through, you know, if you've got 100, 150 pounds to lose, I'll be honest, your next 18 months is going to be shit. Shit. Mm-hmm. You're going to not be able to do things that other people want to do. It's going to be hard. It's going to be stressful. It's going to, you're going to want to quit. As you said, like, probably more than 16 times a year like you would with your job but you've got to have the same mentality you've got to just keep going um and take each day as it comes and be in the knowledge that eventually it does get better you know you get wins throughout it you get wins without it other people start to notice you start to notice that you can do things which you couldn't do before and then it starts to see then you start to see those changes those habits get in and actually you kind of ask yourself and you know i've worked with lots of clients who are completely Change the way that they are in the space of two to three years you know they've gone from 300 pounds to like 180 you know this is females and they one of the biggest things that said to me is just i wish i'd done this sooner and it took and and i've always been interested in what caused them to then suddenly change and it was that there's just like it was too painful not to change now and Mm -hmm. And yeah. and that was it. They were just like, look, no matter how long this takes, I'm not going to deal with this pain anymore. Um, and that's the reality of a lot of people is that they don't change because it's not painful enough yet. Um, and, and and unfortunately, yeah. this is why people don't change because a job, yeah, it's a bit shit, but it's not shit enough. It's not painful enough to to end it. And that's mm-hmm. where you have to kind of check yourself before you wreck yourself because then you're living in a comfortable, uncomfortable place that is not actually helping you. Because actually, if you're being uncomfortable in life and you're not growing, then something's fucked up there. Because the whole yeah. point of discomfort should be growth. You know, you should be feeling uncomfortable because you're pushing yourself in places which you are not used to, not putting yourself in a painful situation that is isn't it, it is causing you to stay the same. This is what happens with our job. You know, it's just like, why are you putting yourself through 10 years of this? when you could just put yourself through the same kind of amount of pain for two just a different feeling and suddenly actually be somewhere that you weren't before mm. yeah
0: definitely I think what's important there is as well and I guess this applies not just to changing a hobby into a career but understanding that it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be a quick road to success because I think a lot of people think they look at like you said before but They look at other people's highlight reels of where they are now, but they haven't looked at the previous year or two years of how difficult it's been. I think when you can tell yourself, okay, this is going to be hard. It's a risk, but I'm going to enjoy it. And it's my hobby. You're going to do it and you're going to find that passion. But I think people have to understand that it's not an overnight fix and it's not supposed to be an overnight fix. It's not Things that you really, really want in life don't come easy to you.
1: Yeah, I think we we used the example when we did the event the other week when we had the conversation was was about um, Matt's fitness and his YouTube channel. Yeah, and that he's been put, it's exactly when we had Ethan on last week. Yeah, like Ethan the same. He, Ethan the guy we had on last week was on like he's on three million subscribers like on YouTube. Three point six or something. He started 20. like eight years ago, and you look at his views back then compared to where they are now. But people only see now. the place that he's up to now and follow and recent followers are following now. And that's why at the same time, we're, we're not saying people listen to this pod, podcast, go in tomorrow and tell your boss, fuck off because I'm, I'm quitting my job because for a lot of people that'll be dangerous. And again, there's a couple of um, stats that I pulled up in regards to people who start their own businesses and then fail. And the volume of those v- businesses that fail with 20% don't make it through the first year and then a staggering 60% go bust within three years. So I'm not saying every single person needs to, go and create their own business because some people aren't made to do that or some people don't have the uh, the kind of the makeup to do yeah. that and some people i think wear better for other people but um if you can create a happier life then then obviously do so and just it needs to be a case of thinking what really do i enjoy doing and is there a way for me to create a career path out of this from where i can help other people because I mean that's the other thing is people obviously do it because they want to be have more financial freedom and get caught up in the the wrong reasons of doing so rather than really putting stuff out there that is going to help other people and and benefit the world in the long term.
0: Yeah, so I was really young when I thought I can turn my passion of fitness and sport. Mine was more so sport at the time I was summer I was like, oh, this is interesting. I enjoy this more than I do sitting in a lecture room and. I think for me personally, I didn't think at the time, oh, this could actually become a business where I can have an income. It was more so, oh, I can get clients like, oh, social media is a thing now. Like, oh, I can earn money off YouTube. It wasn't exactly like I can be a businesswoman. I didn't I didn't think that when I was 20 years old, but three years on I am and it is completely doable. And I think as well, it just shows there shouldn't really be an age barrier. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if you're passionate about something, you know you can do something and you're willing to learn. I feel like you have to be very willing to learn, like you said before, Jamie, about the business side of things, about marketing, about finances, not just how can I make social media look pretty or whatever it is. You have to have that inside ability to say, okay, this is going to be hard and I'm going to have to learn a lot along the way. Yeah,
2: I agree. And the thing is, when, when you're passionate about something, you don't learn, you absorb. You're like a sponge because you want to learn that information. You know, I didn't learn anything at school, so I didn't, didn't want to learn it.
1: I think this comes back to the way that the schools are set up as well, though, and the way that when we go through school, how we are primed for the future. Because,
0: oh, massively.
1: I, I always loved health and fitness, and I always loved doing so, but I was always told now the, the secure thing and the right thing to do is to get your qualifications, go through um, university, go to university, get your quals, and then go into a career. Later down the line, which was safe, pay your taxes, and then and then that's how you move forward with your your job. And the the only real failures you have during school and around the age of being a youngster is, I suppose, failing a couple of exams or getting getting kicked out of the the, the, the team or not making something. You never really settle for any true failures. And now and like we talked about a lot of times, there's this kind of like fifth, sixth, seventh place trophies of people. I never really understand the the value of of losing and taking that failure and coming back from
2: it i think one of the failures of school and it's probably the same now was the emphasis on how important it was to get good grades at school um and if, if you think like you finish school at 16 and you're just like that's you literally haven't even started your life yet how can you how can you Expect to. Eat. I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life till I was twenty six. That's that's a decade after I was at school, um, and I think a lot of this learn helplessness that I spoke about starts at school because if you failed at school and all your GCSEs and you can't get into college, you pretty much have said to yourself, "Right, I can't achieve anything in life." And you are just like, "Well, you think about how much more thing you know things you've got to learn in about life in order to go." Actually, I know, I know what I want to do now. If it took me ten years after leaving school to figure out what I wanted to do and that, I was one of the fortunate ones. I know people, I, I work with people now who are 35, 40, who still don't know what they want to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, it' a lot of things that they need to kind of teach at that school. Uh, and at that young age is to go, look, be patient, um, find the things that you like, understand that you're going to make mistakes. You know, I made lots of mistakes. I, yeah. you know, certain things that I did at um, college, I, I went into IT and I was good because I enjoyed tech, but I didn't really pay much attention. I spent more time in the pub getting drunk uh, and, and, and I literally, you know, I just used to come back in and play Bomberman, um, half cut. That was, that was, what, that was all I remember of school. And I, you know, I had to join the army because I needed to get that discipline in because I, there's no way I could have gone to university. Um, and, and that kind of changed where, you know, I didn't want to learn things at school because I was told I needed to learn it. And then I, you know, with the internet, you kind of just gravitate towards taking an interest in certain things. And now with that abundance of information out there, you can pretty much do whatever you like. Um, And the biggest thing now isn't about, you know, not having the information there. It's about not being distracted. And that's one of the biggest things that people are these days is just constantly distracted. And that's why they don't get much done because they need to now develop a talent, not only for the thing that they enjoy doing, but, being able to concentrate and implement 100% on it. And I see this a lot. You know, I just going through, literally, I'm going through a business course at the moment over three months, and I'm very good at understanding myself and, you know, discipline, time, and implementation. And, you know, I see I, I've just finished the sixth module, I'm 100% complete the course. I've probably in implemented things that have generated, you know, multiple six figures into my business. And I'm just like, I've I've robbed this business, uh, this uh, course, because I've just implemented everything that they said. And then I see people in the group, they say, oh, I'm stuck on module one. I've been busy. And I'm like, I've got this thing called 991 principle. um, And it talks about the internet, but I've kind of coined it in the the mistakes that I see a lot of people make. And it's 90% of people will do nothing. uh, 9% will do something and 1% will do everything um and you kind of need to ask yourself what band that you sit in with what it is that you do cuz doing something can you i mean doing something is is a, is a great thing but there's a lot of people who just lurk and they scroll and they absorb but they don't apply that lucky 1% who does everything then you're going to achieve a hell of a lot um and i very much look at that when i speak to coaches when they say oh there's so much competition here i'm like there's not you know, and I've said this in my seminars. I have three hundred people in the seminar. I am like, you know, unfortunately, you know, twenty eight of you will do something, and two of you will do everything, and the rest okay. of you. And and I said to them, the rest of you won't do anything. You know, there is two hundred and forty of you in this room who will do nothing, and I am right. They'll go back the next, come back the next year in the seminar, and they're there again, haven't done nothing. And I try and incentivize them, say, be the nine percent, and for God's sake, be the one percent don't be the 90. Um, but it's just, you know, if you know that, and that is, you know, that is what I've seen over my many years of doing stuff is you haven't got to be worried about competition. And this is one of the biggest hindrances of people having a business or or starting a business because they oh, it's it's a saturated market. I'm like, it's a saturated market, but 90% of the market is not doing anything. Yeah. They're posting once a week on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They're, they're telling me that they can't get online clients and yet they've got a private Instagram account. You know, it's just simple things. And and, not, and a lot of this isn't, isn't um, external things. They know what they need to do, but it's just internal. You know, the reason they've got a private account is that they're worried about people negatively commenting on their content. Yeah. It's not that they don't want it. Um, the reason they're not going live on, on uh facebook live is because they don't want their mates to jump on and take the piss out of them and it's all of these internal things that people struggle with they know yeah most people know what they need to do you know a lot of people know how to lose weight a lot of people know how to how to be a success on social media uh they they know but knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing you know a lot of it is those internal feelings of self-confidence um and something that i say you know you've got to believe in what it is that you say and you've also got to believe in what it is that you sell if you're going to build a successful business
1: i mean that was the big the biggest thing for most people is just is self-confidence is something that we spoke about on i think it was, was the last, week's last podcast? Week's episode, yeah. um and especially in regards to one criticism and two comparison because i think for most people comparison is like the biggest factor in unhappiness because if you're constantly comparing yourself to someone else you're always looking at what you're not doing or looking at things that um, you potentially don't do as well rather than focusing on your strengths a lot of the time. And I know I did this especially early on was comparing myself like when I was talking on camera to other people and it was something that I really struggled with a lot yeah. of the time. Um, and it's not until sometimes you look back at some of those old videos and stuff that you've done you really see how far you've developed. And it's the same when you're talking about that um, 1% principle or 2% principle in regards to you notice a lot of the time in like Facebook groups you'll have a couple of people in there who are like really like shining stars so to speak who will be on top of everything posting stuff posting the habits that they've done posting the workouts, whatever it is and the same when you have a, a group of clients that you're taking on one to one there's always a couple who are always at the top of the pile always checking first every week always have their stats on on point and it, exactly and like, always get yeah, the results and other people always get the results and it's easy to say you know the same same numbers going to come in every single week and the people that like you have um less less changes to make with because they're always just sticking to what's in front of them. So you don't need to be constantly creating those changes. But again, that's always only have a small handful of people.
2: Yeah. And here's the reality, Ben, you know, like if I look at all of my clients I've coached, you know, you're coming to me saying, you know, my coach can change your life and you change your own life because you're a one percenter. You're the person that follows the plans and gets the result, um, which, you know, is part and parcel of yourself doing that. And it was the same with me. Whenever I have, a like, for, for just finishing this course, I've done everything. Uh, you know, I'm like, this is the best person in the world to, to learn about this. So I'll just do everything that they say and not question it, even though I think I know just some avenue, you know, I'd go, oh, we're going to go into the social media stage. I'm just like, nah, that's right. But then sitting there going, no, 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 come on, Jay, just pay attention. And then suddenly, yeah. the minute you think you know things is the minute you stop learning. And it was just like, oh, fuck, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. yeah and I was just like shit and I could have just closed my brain off there thinking I know and that's the worst thing to say you know even though you do uh, something that I put on a post today about I read a book called Peak by Anders Ericsson and he was talking about the difference between people who are good at stuff stuff and great at stuff and he was talking about discipline practice and I think this is one thing that people do a lot they'll they'll practice something until they get to a certain standard and that standard is usually better than their peers and then they stop Mm -hmm. because they're a little bit better than their mates and then they wonder they're looking on the big stages with the people who are building you know seven and eight figure businesses and they want like why aren't i there it's like because when they got to where you were they look didn't see themselves as complete they saw themselves at just at another level and Mm -hmm. there was many more people and many more levels to go and and that's the way that i've always looked you know people sometimes look at me and say, oh you know jamie's done this and that i'm like i haven't even started yet I'm only yeah. 30, I'm only 35 mm-hmm. you know I, I won't won't really start getting traction in my business till you know in my mid 40s I reckon so I still need to you know turn up every day do what I do um and keep it at the rate that I have done for the last eight years I've never slowed down I've mm-hmm. almost broke a couple of times but <laughs> it's just a foot off the gas ready to stick it back down again
0: I think that's something important as well because I've recently just read the chimps paradox I think it's an absolute brilliant book. And one thing that was in the last couple of chapters was saying the difference between motivation and commitment because I think a lot of people think you need to be motivated every day. You need to feel on top of the world. You need to feel optimistic every day, but that's not the case because he uses the example of a surgeon. So if a surgeon goes in to treat someone, they're doing a surgery and they don't have motivation, they still have to go in and operate because they are committed to do something it's the same as if you have a business you've been doing it for four or five years you're not going to be motivated every day of course you not. it it's not a it's impossible you have to be you have to have that level of commitment to carry you through on the days where you're demotivated and you are feeling like shit yeah. <laughs> essentially I think
1: that's, that's the same with work also like I never, ever go into every single session, especially when training at home, because like I told a lot of people, I you fucking hate, at home hate training, <laughs> training yeah. at home. Same here. I, I say
2: to yeah. people all the time, I hate home workouts. Yeah. You know, I've had, like the first thing that I did when lockdown got called was go, right, I, I need to move. And it was in March time. So of course, for me, um, I do C-dips, but like during the colder periods, I don't go every day. I go like t- twice a week because it's that cold. Uh, and as soon as lockdown was called, I was like, right, you need to change from, two days a week to every day Um, and the reason being is it's cold and you don't want to do it and i was like if you can do something that you don't want to do first thing in the morning then you can get a lot done and i did Um, and that was just a real understanding of you know during this weird time a lot of people have been motivated to do stuff and they've used that as an excuse not to do stuff whereas i haven't been i've had the same level of of motivation as everybody else but something that i've said to people is that the the aim of the art of success and it is an art is, turn, is showing up every day, regardless of how you feel, and doing the work. And it's not about feeling, you know, it's not about that feeling before you do it or feeling that you want to do it. It's the feeling that you're going to get after you've done it. And that's yeah. what you should be chasing. It's like, I don't want to do it, but I know I'm going to feel better when I've done it. And there's certain things that you can put into place to enable you to develop that mindset. One of the best ones to do is cold showers yeah i do at the moment yeah morning six 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 thirty go have a cold shower straight away i guarantee you there'll not be a single day in the first three weeks of you doing it that you'll want to do it every Mm -hmm. single time you'll you'll mess about you'll fumble about (laughs) you'll find an excuse not to do it but you'll get under there you do it and every single day when it's finished like i'm glad i did that but then the next day you'll forget Uh, but two or three weeks down the line there's a couple of things that happen one the shower isn't as cold as it was at the start, so you actually become adapted to it until you start to feel a little bit change in your mood and you start to smile a bit more. Uh, and that's what I do with the the sea. You know, I've been dipping in the sea every single day. I think I've missed one day in four months, uh, and it is a, and it and it's incredible. I love it. You know, this morning, I had about twelve foot waves. And we're literally – I've got a mate who's coming down. He's addicted to it now. And we were just – and it's weird because when it's kind of stormy and 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 it's windy outside, it's probably like when you walk out, you're like, oh, it's going to be horrible today. But it's actually a little – it feels a little bit warmer. Um, and the waves just – like if you jump onto my stories after this, you, we were in hysterical tears laughing because we were just – getting taken out by these 10 foot waves and smashed onto the beach it sounds a bit dangerous i know but it wasn't it was it was it was funny and my, even my mate texted me later because that was that was, i haven't had that much fun in a long time and it's free oh. um and you know most people will look at us and go those two are off their tits <laughs> <laughs> and, and i see people walking their dogs to like what the fuck is he doing but it's the same like uh, you, you know people who are not you like it's hard to explain, but like when you see people in a gym doing stuff, you're like, they all look fucking strange. Yeah,
1: mm.
2: Like if you've never been, like if you've never been into the gym and you look at people lifting weights, like, you just think they're fucking weird. But as soon as yeah. you're feeling it and doing it, it, you know, it's totally different experience. Um, And it's exactly the same with so many things. And it's these things that you do, which will help you with that discipline and commitment. And I love the Les, Les Brown quote is commitment is doing the thing that you said you would do long after the mood in which you said it's passed and it's such an important quote because you need to be committed to doing things you know i'm committed to doing home workouts even though i fucking hate them i'm committed to doing c dips even though most days i don't want to do it but i know that i feel good afterwards mm-hmm. yeah i'm committed to posting every day on social media regardless of how i feel because i know that the outcome of doing those are going to be more beneficial in my life than not doing it why the way that way that the way that I look at successes um, and, and everything in life, you can either cash yourself and I've got a checkbook here. It's, it's a prop. <laughs> I didn't get it here specifically for the podcast, but you have the ability to write yourself health checks or illness checks every single day. And and guess what? If you you know write a uh, health check every day, you're not going to be able to see or feel you being healthier yet. If you write yourself an illness check, you're not going to see or feel yourself being ill yet. But in about two to three years time, one of them, you're going to cash in and I know which one I'd rather cash in and it's the health check. Uh, I see this with a lot of businesses and business owners is the fact that they are generating I don't know, six, seven figures a month and they're doing it um, and without looking after their health um, because they're prioritizing the business over themselves. And that might sound like a good idea at first, but two or three years down the line, when something happens where you get sick, you get ill, you get, you know, in some way taken out of the game, you're going to realize or you're going to wish that you did keep on top of your fitness and your health because uh, I think uh, Robin Chalmers said is health is the crown on the well person's head that only the ill can see. And I, I think the most important thing to understand is that you know a lot of people don't look after their health because they sacrifice it for their business. And that works as a short-term strategy because obviously you're putting more time and effort into your business. But if you're not putting time and effort into yourself, it's only a matter of time before that comes back to bite you in the ass and it will um yeah I've seen it time and time again I think it was Robin Sharma said a quote is that health is the crown on the world person's head that only the sick can see uh, and I've seen people who you know suddenly had like you know even so much as like a, a stroke or a mini heart attack or something like that um and it's taken them out of the game for like four to six weeks of their business mm-hmm. and everything you know the people that that's happened to they're like oh, i just wish i looked after myself a bit more and usually it takes that for them to then start doing it uh, because a lot of people have this mindset of it will never happen to me mm-hmm. yeah and you know you could i've seen i've seen i've seen plenty of people who have lost all their money and got it back again um, but i've seen plenty of people who have um you know lost their health and never got it back so you yeah. kind of got to ask yourself which one's more important.
1: Yeah, I think I've um, I've been guilty of this myself. And for me, it was when I first, I was probably into my second year of business. And like I think because you're looking after other people so much, you're not a priority anymore. And the, the other people that you're, 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 you're serving become the priority over yourself. Whereas then you just lose um, your service, you lose who you are. And for me, it, it became a... Um, detriment to my, to my own health. Because what I ended up doing was just working all day, forgetting about food, wasn't eating myself, and then i just binge eat for a little bit. And this even got to the point for me is where it got so bad, I ended up um, even recently in, in CBT therapy because of it, because the habits had got that bad and accumulated over time. It had an impact on my mental health my physical well-being. And it wasn't until I really stepped back. And for me, this is where I know a lot of people said, oh, quarantine, isolation's been shit. For me, it's been one of the best places for me, and just like finding myself and finding better routine and balance and for my own mindset. And that's why I think ne- next year, me and Lucy have done a lot of stuff in regard to, I, I don't even read a book called The Now Habit.
0: Yeah, brilliant.
1: Um But it's got this, this um, practice in it called the unscheduled sheet. And I, I use it every day now instead of using a diary. So the thing that I have to do at the start of the week is put in all the things first that I want to do, like my time. Uh, and then after that, I'll put all the things in that I have to do, like shower, shit, eat, shave, whatever, the little things. And then around that, I'll put in my work. So then I don't get to some days where I'm like, oh, well, I'm putting the, the, the simple things like shower, walk, whatever it is. And then you don't accumulate tasks where it's going to stress you out because you lose time. At the end of the day, I think most of us are working because we want more freedom, whether it's financially to play more, guilt-free play, whatever it is. So if you can get that into a week via just scheduling it in rather than thinking I have to work my tits off to eventually earn this free time and then obviously what you're getting out of it is those smaller chunks of work reinforced by some something positive and, and some guilt-free play so for me that's like i'll watch a disney film or play on my ps4 or go out on the micro scooter because i just feel like being a kid again it's what i could just have no no stresses when i'm in that kind of place and that's why for us next year we've done things like we've booked like another two month trip to australia haven't we and booked a trip to the us and doing a little taking priority and doing things for us that we wouldn't usually do, which may not necessarily have a direct impact on the amount of wealth or the amount of money that we're making, but it creates better and healthier versions of ourselves to then serve the clients and the people who we deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis.
2: You, you say that, but it does. I mean, the thing is, uh, I spoke about this on a podcast before, is you, you have to treat yourself like a million-dollar racehorse because you're the business owners. You're, you know... If you bought a million dollar racehorse, you'd feed it the best food. You would walk it every day. You'd exercise it because you've invested a lot into it, and you've invested a lot into yourselves. And actually, you're doing your clients a disservice if you're not at a hundred percent. And that's what people forget. It's like if I'm turning up to a podcast or turning up to a live stream or doing content, and I'm tired, um, I'm hungover, um, I haven't exercised, I haven't meditated, I haven't gone for a walk, I haven't gone for a dip in the sea. You're not. You're not gonna. I'm not going to help you as much mm-hmm. and this is so important is the biggest you know you need to invest time in yourself I was speaking to James Smith about this um about me you know he pays for you know he upgrades his flights he upgrades his ubers because of the things that he can do when he's not distracted or the things yeah. that certain environments enable you to do and and I very much invest in like a You know, pre-pandemic, a spa, which I go up on a Thursday every day. I leave my laptop, my phone. Um, I go up there with a notepad and pen and a book. I I book an an hour massage in and I just do nothing but think all day and swim um, from about nine till two. And that's been the best investment in my business that I've had because I suddenly get all this clarity out of my head. And it's something that I look forward to every single week. And a lot of the time we forget that we actually feel good through the week when we do have something to look forward to. Unfortunately, a lot of people will look forward to the weekend where they're not doing work. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they drown their sorrows and do that Friday and Saturday and then hung over Sunday and start again. Um, And what you said about, you know, with the diary, it reminded me of this analogy about uh, a jar and, you know, putting the big rocks in first. Because if you put all the little rocks in first and the little stones in the sand, you're not going to be able to put the big rocks in. Um, And you start with the big rocks first because then all the little stones and sand fill out the big rocks and then you can fit more into that, you know, into that jar. Uh, And that's a good way to kind of look at it because you want to try and fill that jar up as much as possible. And there is a strategy and a way to doing that. And it comes down to getting your big things done for the day and the week, but also getting the things that you want to do because they're also big rocks because they're they're actually the things that are going to make you at your best.
1: I think what you just touched on there as well is, um, in regards to the way that we treat ourselves, I think a lot of people think and believe that a lot of people are very selfish in that way, very narcissistic. But I think when we look at things more practically, I think a lot of people are very compassionate about other people and will disregard themselves a lot of the time for other people. Like I know we spoke about it last week in regards, take for example, when you're ill. Or when your mum's ill, or when your wife's ill, or whatever it is, you're always like, "Oh, you need this. Get you some paracetamol, ibuprofen. Get your feet up, Lucas, whatever it is." However, when we're ill, it's like, "Oh, well, I'll sh- I'll shrug it off. Yeah, I'll be, I'll off. I'll be I'll be able to batter off. I'll be I'll be alright." And it's when it's other people, I often think we're more compassionate for their health and well being, and when it's ourselves, we often just disregard it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and so many people do that, and it comes down to practicing what you preach um you know I wouldn't be getting my clients to do anything that I wouldn't do myself but also you know we tend to look after people better than we look after ourselves and that's wrong you know you should be looking at after yourself just as well you know if you're taking days off and uh, you know if you're telling your clients to take rest days and you're not then you're full of shit um and that's one thing that you kind of realize um you're like oh hang on a minute I'm telling all my clients to do this I'm not doing it myself so you're not really practicing what you preach. I
0: think. and um, definitely something that I found with lockdown I think we said this last time and I spoke to you about it Jamie was I'm the type of person who's very kind of hard on myself when everyone starts doing these live workouts and I was one of the first to do it but I was doing it as a, a detriment to my own health I was doing like two lives a day a zoom class and I needed my own time to do my strength class and I'm like fuck me that is literally three sessions a day And I did it for like three weeks because I was like, come on, come on, you can do this. You're doing it for the people. But it's like, I was absolutely destroyed. Like my mentality, I just, I was felt absolutely fatigued all the time, my joints, my body. And I think that's the thing, especially if you're into fitness or your personal trainer and you have a business, like you said that you have to practice what you preach. You can't be saying one thing to your clients and then doing the complete polar and opposite
2: yeah and and it's so, and it is it's so important to do incredibly incredibly important but and yet they they don't do it you feel like you're giving people a service but you're actually doing yourself a disservice mm-hmm. and actually you know when you instead do that three sessions uh a day you take move that to four sessions a week actually people get more results because that your energy that you bring to those sessions is so much better Yeah. And 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 that's what I find, you know, even now I'm doing I'm so I'm I'm doing three workouts a week with my group. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. we do that and they they absolutely love it. But I wouldn't do any more than that. Um anything else I say that you can download or use. And this is the thing about workouts you don't need to go live doing them. You just need to change the strategy. You just say to people, right. Mm-hmm. My, these three workouts that I do are live and then the rest can record and you do it at your own time um, yeah. and that's just as much of a benefit to that person as them doing it live with you if they're just doing the work and and things that you put in there
1: yeah I think that's just about having transparency what you're doing and 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 keeping your ethos the same for what you keep yourself to your clients because I remember um when I first signed up to that program with yourself for the for the transformation I always remember when we first met I think it was in in Birmingham, one of the gyms up there to pose and practice. And one of the first things he said to me was, if, I think it was if you take steroids or find out you're taking them, they'll drop you. Yep. And I think this is where a lot of people aren't transparent in the fitness industry because there's so many coaches who are on gear to to prospect new clients, but then we'll probably advise them against it. And I'd, I'd tried steroids before that because I went to one of those gyms, which is like a hardcore gym. Um, I was like 17, 18, 19 at the time when I was, I did it. I was before like a lad's holiday and I just didn't know anything about it. And I thought that was part of like the competing life. And when I did the program with you, well, I got I got real ripped for holiday, used steroids, and I was about 30 and a half stone or something around that lean. And I stepped on stage at 30 and a half stone lean when I did the natural prep. So it just goes to show that if you apply a proper process and program the results that you can get from that rather than just dicking about with stuff and just mm-hmm. being transparent because then it made me believe a lot more in the process, having that message from from yourself as well. And
2: yeah, that's what I was always, always about. You know, like if you want to take steroids and you want to go down that route, fine. Find somebody else who does that. Um, but you know, one of the biggest changes for me is when I first started competing, you know, I left the army December, 2009 and I was, I wanted to get bang on the gear. I was just like, I'm going to stop walking through doors. I'm going to smash through walls, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of mentality. And, and actually the, the gym owner said, no, 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 just like you're in, you, you know, you've got a decent muscle mass. Why don't you just do this natural show? And I did the natural show, uh, qualified for the finals and I won the, um, uh, muscle mania british novice title in in that september of the year and one of the main things that i saw was i went to the british finals the BNBF and i was seeing guys in their 30s 40s the over 50s and these over 50s guys were like granite they were sh- they looked incredible and you think they've been training for 30 years naturally you know they they get you know drug tested you know uh polygraph they have to be um drug free for 10 years to complete and just seeing that showed me what was possible and, and there and then i was like i'm never going to taste their boys. Uh, and I always see it as a compliment. Whenever I'm in great shape or get lean, people are like, Yeah, what gear are you taking? I'm like, none. And it's like I can <laughs> we, we can talk all day about this if you like. <laughs> but and I, I do take it as a compliment, but also like, you know, I've worked with thousands of clients. I'm like, well, ask my clients. <laughs> ask what their cycles are. They've been yeah. none because I show people what it you know what you can achieve with with hard work. Um, and it is hard work you know we were talking about building a business and hard, and, and hard work how many happy ha- how many happy millionaires do you see w- walking around with six packs none because yeah. they're three of the hardest things to get happiness and you know a, a six pack and a successful business or, or millions in the bank that hasn't been given to you so they're hard and the reason that you don't see many with all three is because it's hard enough getting one let alone three yeah um, and if you get any of the three you know you, you are winning because you're probably in that one percent
0: yeah definitely and we had a few questions for you as well they're, they're to do with the podcast but just general questions that we wanted to ask as well and we know people are interested in so you briefly touched on it throughout the whole podcast but in terms of your career from when you started your personal training how has your actual career changed over time so the different i guess the different phases the you've line, been yeah. through yeah
2: um so i was you know i left the army very disciplined so i had that kind of drilled into me from a young age which i was very fortunate to have and my um my kind of mentality was very much competing was very much my thing because it was extreme. Um, It was military kind of habits and routines, and it was achieving an overall goal by the end of a deadline. Um, But what I found with that is that, you know, I was very good at following orders and getting a result. You know, that was my military background, but that wasn't sustainable, you know, and that's not what my life is about now. You yeah, my life completely changed when my daughter came along. Um, and actually, you know, you talk about not looking after yourself. In 2013, um, my my business doubled because I stopped looking after myself as a kind of a fitness model and everything and started look, focusing on my clients. And I actually gained 50 pounds. Um, it was the happiest year of my life because my daughter came in uh, into the world and all my clients were getting success. My business doubled. Um, but that taught me a lot of selflessness and putting others first um, which then turned into a mistake because then I started going to the other end of the extreme from extreme selfishness of a competitor to extreme selflessness of giving my time you know my precious time away to strangers essentially mm-hmm. um, and then it came back to having more of a balanced life and it's about having those selfish goals to obviously to treat myself and look after myself but it's for selfless reasons to look after people, and I take more. I'm not even going to use the, you know, I will use the word holistic um, in the fact that, you know, I'm playing a longer game now, and this longer game is about 50 years long, um, and that enables me to be patient and enjoy the journey. So, you know, I like to push myself. I do. I push myself in uh, in my charity events, in my business, and and things that I do. I like, you know, every two years to really set something. Crazy that no one has even thought about doing, let alone achieved. Um, so I get my kick out of that, but that obviously um, raises a lot of money for charity. So it's kind of a selfish, selfless thing. Mm-hmm. And for now, it's just it's enjoying the ride. You know, it's showing people that it's all about enjoying what it is that you do. It's all about working, but it's also about learning how to down tools and enjoy the fruits of your labor. And something that I um, struggle to do from time to time. You know, this week I. I spent a ridiculous amount of money on a um, on something called a one wheel, which is a kind of electronic skateboard with one wheel. Uh, and, and one of the main reasons is that I have been working my tits off for four months. This is probably my midlife crisis thing as well. <laughs> uh, but I was just like, do you know what? I sp- whenever I, you know, whenever any ever I get success in something, I always think of other people. I always treat other people. I never treat myself. And I was like, what's the most selfish? indulgent thing that I could buy and it turned out to be this electronic one wheel skateboard and it's been and it's been great because like anything that allows me to put my mobile phone down and laptop and get outside is is a good thing to invest in and it's it's been a lot of fun so I've been um doing plenty of miles in it every day
1: yeah i would love to see what your amazon prime accounts probably added up to over isolation because i know you're one, like we have orders coming through the door every day don't we from amazon yeah. so right
2: so do i yes yes crazy
0: yeah so your work-life balance we feel like you have very good work-life balance and you've touched on this before with us about your days off social media and obviously the spa and things like that so how do you keep your work-life balance balanced i guess
2: so I run a totally online business and, you know, the difference between an online business and a physical one is you can close the door of your business physical, but you can't close the door of your online. One thing you can do, however, is switch your phone off and close your uh, close your laptop down. So 8pm for me is down tools regardless. Um, sometimes it, you know, creeps past a little bit depending on if I've got a launch or something like that on, but I'm very kind of right. Phone stays in the office here um, and then I, you know, it, I don't go back in there till the morning and I don't have a mobile phone by my bed either. So it's extreme circumstances with that. And of course, you know, it's been a bit different now. Um, I've probably been a bit too much on during the pandemic. But as soon as things start opening in the next few weeks, I'll be getting back into my phone swap Thursday where I'll go up to the spa and relax. And yeah, for, for me, it's about we're built. we're building a new office at the moment, which is going to be exciting because this is my home. Uh, mm-hmm. office and we're going to move everything there so i will literally have a place to close the door to my online business which is going to be good mm-hmm. uh, and i remember a quote um which i took from somebody this the last a few months ago and they said if working full if, if you can't be successful working uh five full days of work uh sorry if you can't be successful working five full days a week working seven won't help so my challenge to myself is to um basically work my tits off monday wednesday monday tuesday wednesday phone swap thursday and day off thursday work hard friday and have weekends off and i can build i'm going to show people that you can build a phenomenal successful business just working four days a week
0: yeah that's incredible something obviously we try and do as well because like i think as a couple here in the business it's it's hard when the other person is also working so we have to say to each other like switch off no work on a weekend and that's kind of our thing isn't it like
1: yeah because we don't have each other to say oh you need to fucking knock it in the head now because you're pissing me off and i want to go and watch tv at the case of we both be working mm-hmm. so it just continues and continues and continues yeah yeah
2: definitely. and and you have to have these rules in place because there's always something to do mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: oh god yeah online business you it could be anything especially with social media it's it could be constant you could be on it 24 7 if you if you if you wanted to be because there's so much to do and you're right it's important to switch off and turn that phone off. Create, um, cr-
2: Facebook Creator Studio it will change your life.
0: Oh, the schedules, everything, yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I spend four hours on a Sunday, uh, nine till two, and that's me done for the week on socials, and it's just mm-hmm. interacting.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. That's been a
2: massive game changer.
0: So the last question, it's kind of two into one, but your thoughts on criticism from others and then your personal, I guess, your biggest hurdle that you've overcome in business?
2: Um, criticism is essential. You know, for, for a flower to grow, it needs both sun and rain. So remember that. Um oh, I like
0: that. Good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so... That's, that's very important, you know, and you're always going to get criticized, but the way I always look at it is like, I've, I've never, I've never had time to criticize anyone cause I'm too busy doing what I do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm getting criticism, it's probably because somebody, uh, you know, isn't doing the work that they know that they need to do. Uh, and the best response to that is killing with kindness. Um, biggest struggle in business is delegation. Um, as I said, to become successful, you have to be the jack of all trades. And that means that you're very good at things which means sometimes you don't trust people to do things for you because you think you can do better. Um, And that's a big mistake because you got where you are today because you've made those mistakes. And if you're not allowing people around you to make those mistakes, then how do you expect them to get better? So I've been getting better at delegating things and also getting better at paying a lot of money for people better than me um, Mm. and investing in other people because the way that I kind of look at it is, look, you know, I do a lot of things that only I can do, but I also do a lot of things that other people can do. Yeah. So it's really determining what I need to do and what other people can do. And that is the key to business. You know, like you look at someone like Richard Branson, you look at some of the big players and, you know, I know what I want out of my business. I don't want 600 staff working for me. I want a team of six to eight people that I love working with. That I know the mm-hmm. first name that we can build, a, you know, a, a low seven figure business and have a good lifestyle with it. Um, and that's what I want. And that's what I'm focused on. Um, and anything past that, you know, I know that I'm not in line with what, I, what it is that I want to do. Because as I said, my mission for this year is to get my business to a stage where I'm working four days a week. And those four days are probably most people's eight. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: Even though there's only seven days a week, but you know where I'm coming from. Um, and, and just, and just proving to people, look, um you can do it because i know lots of people who are a lot more successful than me that only work three or four days a week you know people like gary v people are like oh gary v never takes a day off he he doesn't work weekends he's yeah. got tw- he's got tw- 28 create why, why would he he's got 28 video creators that produce all of his content he goes back home on a friday night and goes and spends time with his family but it looks like he's hustling 24/7 because he's got the people in place to do it for him yeah.
1: I think that's because people see so many of those quotes online and like Instagram and stuff are like all oh, balls to the wall, 24-7 hard work, all this shit that yeah, people get, no this rest. misperception yeah. stuff. And what you just touched on there is when people first go into business, everyone wants to build this business, which is like a multi-million pound business, have loads of people working for them. And I never really understood that. I didn't want that until I read, what's the guy's name? It's Daniel. So The guy who re- re- oversubscribed. Daniel Prisky. Um, yeah, I think he wrote a book book to do digital assets as well it wasn't right. really until i read that in the different spectrums of businesses which r- made me realize well i just want to have a good business have a good amount of financial freedom be able to go and travel with my partner and i think you learn a lot more from going through that period of business of what you actually want out of it
2: exactly yeah 24 assets is a f- phenomenal book yeah, and, and yeah oversubscribed you know um f- once again, it's one of my massive book recommendations for people if they want to really understand their business. Because you know, the real game changer of business is where you know I see a lot of people with tactics about getting clients. I've never had to have, get clients; they always come to me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's and it comes down to the amount of value that you put into the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I give more than I ask, and that's the way that you should be with business.
1: The reciprocation effect.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool.
1: Thank you very much for that, buddy. Well, I think that's a nice way to wrap up the podcast. Um, and I just want to say thank you to the man who made me quit my job and now responsible for the position I'm in today. So I owe him a lot um, more than he'll probably ever know. But I think it's important for people to go and listen and tune into Jamie's content. So, Jamie, where can people find more of yourself?
2: I think best place is Instagram. If you just go at J Jay Alderton, J A Y A L D R T O M, um, you can find all my good stuff on there. And that tends to transition through everything else that I do
1: from there. Brilliant. I think it's important that we leave with the quotes that um, triggered my changing career. Um, so if you can just reel off that quote again, Jamie, the boat quote.
2: About what? You're either a toe dipper or a boat burner. Is that what we're... Boat we're burner, like? yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we got to understand is that once you've burnt a boat, and, and this comes back to apparently Greek times, where once they landed um, when they were going to attack this army, that they burnt all their boats, which meant they've got no way back, so they must succeed. And and a lot of people, once you burn that boat and you can't go back, you'll be amazed at the things that you can achieve because there's only one direction then, and it's forward. And if you have that mentality with things of going, do you know what, the best thing for me to do now, and of course you know, approach this with caution because sometimes it, it pays to be a toe dipper. And what I mean by toe di- dipper is testing the water. Because one of the most important thing about burning your boats and going forward is that, you know, the guys that went forward were very, very good soldiers, mm-hmm. which meant that they had the motivation to succeed. You've got to make sure that you're good at what you do. So if you know that you're good at what you do,
0: burn
1: your boat and go and do
2: it because that will force you enough to succeed.
1: What a great way to finish. Actually, I want to quit my job again. Oh, <laughs>
0: Yeah. So again, thank you so much to Jamie and then everyone else who has been listening. We appreciate you and we love seeing your posts of the podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Also, a massive thank you because we just hit number two in the fitness podcast pod, podcast podcast charts in Britain. So again, a massive, massive thank you, guys, and we'll catch you in next week's episode. Bye, guys. Bye.